Transmission start. Welcome to Where Did the Road Go? Join us as we wander off the path and explore lost history, consciousness, the paranormal, unexplained mysteries, alternative thought, and much more. We are present on the web at wheredidtheroadgo.com. Now here is your host, Soraya. Welcome to Where Did the Road Go? And uh, this is a repost of a show that aired, aired originally live, uh, May 9th, 2015. And uh, this is a show I've been meaning to repost. It is the first time I talk about Kundalini on the show. I believe it's the first time anyway. Um, at least in depth and go into some of my other experiences as well. I didn't re-listen to this. Um, I'm just going to put it up. I'm suspecting some of my opinions on things have changed since then, but uh, I think after the conversation with Jeremy a couple of weeks ago, this is a this is a good one to repost. Like I said, I've been meaning to anyway, so yeah, that's what I'm going to do. This was with my first co-host, Luke. Uh, Luke was a student at Ithaca College. He was studying anthropology. Met him through the Ghost Hunters of the Finger Lakes. And uh, he, he wasn't a uh, super talkative person, but when he asked questions, when he said stuff, uh, they were good questions. And I honestly don't know what happened to him. He went back home after he graduated, and uh, yeah, we just lost touch, unfortunately. So this, is, uh, this was made possible, though, by the fact that he was there to kind of like prompt me. Uh, I couldn't have done this solo. I probably still couldn't do this solo. I tend to talk myself down blind alleys and get stuck and not really sure where to go from there. So I need someone to kind of like ask a question. So that's that's what Luke was there for. And I think it worked out really well. So without any further ado, here is the first show, as far as I know, about me talking about some of my own experiences and my kundalini from all the way back in 2015. And welcome to the show. I am joined again by my co-host, Luke. Hey, Hello, Luke. good to be here. And uh, tonight is going to be a very different show because we don't have an actual guest. Right. So I'm, I'm kind of going to be the guest in a sense tonight. And we're going to see if uh, this turns into an absolute debacle or not. Because I'm not used to talking about things uh, relating to myself and uh, this type of subject matter. All right. So, one of the things I wanted to bring up, and I've been looking for a guest who knew more about this than I do, and I've never been able to find one. Most people have heard of Kundalini Yoga. Most people probably do not realize that Kundalini can wake up in people completely spontaneously, very unpleasantly, and uh, technically it can kill people. And this, to me, has always been fascinating. I experienced this when I was 12 years old, and it started off very, very mildly, whereas uh, my background, as far as religion and all that, was kind of a, I don't know, bare-bones Christian, you know. My parents were Christian just because they were supposed to be Christian. They didn't go to church. They didn't really practice religion or anything like that. So I was not exposed to anything Eastern in any way. And I started having very mild hallucinations. And those hallucinations were things, for instance, I played trombone. And as I played trombone, I would see steam coming out of the end of it. And I knew, logically, that wasn't happening. But I could watch it happen as I was playing. And I would bring my mother in, and she would sit there, and it wouldn't do it. And then she'd leave the room, and steam would come out of the trombone. And I legitimately thought I was going crazy. I would try to go to sleep, and as I started to lay down to go to sleep, I'd hear cans rattling outside my window. There were no cans outside my window. <laughs> 
And just little things like that initially is how it started. And they were just, I'd sit there and be like, what is wrong with me? I, I know these things aren't real, but there they are. I can't ignore them. And uh, eventually, over the years, it translated into a in very intense pain. And this, this was the main symptom of it. Um, around my tailbone, around my stomach, to the point where I went to doctor after doctor because I was in such intense pain and there was nothing physically wrong with me. So I had no way of dealing with this. Doctors thought I was faking it, thought I was just saying I was in pain when I was not, and uh, I was in an extraordinary amount of pain. In fact, the only thing I've ever found more painful than that was when I had an uh, abscess under one of my teeth, and that damn near killed me a couple of years ago. And uh, that, I think, might be the only thing that was more painful. The difference is the abscess stayed there for like three days before the, the uh, medication kicked in and finally started bringing it down. Whereas the pain from Kundalini would hit, it would be really intense for a short period of time, and then it would numb down and go away. Mm. Uh, it did cause me to black out at least once, probably more than once, only once when I was on my feet. And I had walked up my stairs. It started when I was in the kitchen, and I walked up my stairs. And it just kept getting, it would come in waves, and it would feel like someone had stabbed you with a knife, and the knife was on fire, and they were twisting it, <laughs> and it was just, and I got up to my bedroom door, and I, as I grabbed the, the door handle, I had a soda in one hand, I grabbed the door handle, and I blacked out from the pain, and my head hit the door, and as my head hit the door, it knocked me, it woke me back up, and I was like, oh, <laughs> and really the only thing I knew how to, what to do at the time was to lay down and just kind of try to position myself so the pain would lessen. And eventually it would work its way through and it would stop. And sometimes it could be hours, sometimes it could be a few minutes. To this day, it still occasionally pops up, but it's generally not that level of pain. Um, plus, I know enough techniques now, once I identified it, to know what was happening to me. Um, but it took a good 10 years before I had any idea what it was, and that was just by fluke chance. Um, when I was on Micah's show, I had said, uh, fate magazine kind of saved my life with this one because they randomly started sending me a, you know, sample magazine and I was always into the paranormal and stuff like that. And I was like, Oh great. This is a fantastic magazine. So I ordered it in there. They had a uh, link to a Llewellyn magazine that was for free. That was uh, Llewellyn books. And they just, you know, sent out a th thing with a few slim articles about books they had coming out. One of them was on Kundalini. And as I'm reading it, I'm reading the description and I'm going, oh my God, this is everything I've been experiencing the last 10 years and had no idea. So I immediately went to the library, started pulling out books on Kundalini. And there were very few. Uh, John White's was one of the good ones. Uh, I think it's called Kundalini and Enlightenment. And it's a collection of articles from different people who have written about it from different cultures and different perspectives. And a lot of it, when it awakens, uh, when it awakens, uh, yeah, what's the word I'm looking for? On its own. <laughs> Spontaneous. Spontaneous. Thank you. It's considered a, a morbid awakening, and it can make you very sick. And actually, I wrote down a list of the symptoms that uh, are most common. Yeah. So one of them is twitching. And like it can almost uh, be misdiagnosed as epilepsy in some people because the twitching and the, the uncontrollable movements can get so strong. I didn't have that level of it, but I always had the electrical kind of twitching. It literally feels like electricity going through your body. And I'll get to the electrical elements in a bit. Um, yeah, pulsating energy is one of the big ones because you can feel it just like your whole body just starts pulsing. And it gets more and more intense. And I've been told that when I'm asleep, my whole body sometimes will just start pulsating. Mm. The uh, kind of an uncontrolled emotional state, too, can happen where you'll feel suddenly angry for no reason or really blissful and enlightened. Again, without any real trigger, it's the energy just kind of moving through you and triggering stuff off. 
Um, heat and cold are very, very common. I've rarely had the cold, but the heat makes you feel like you're about to spontaneously combust. It's unfortunate. Yeah, and I, I've often wondered if the spontaneous combustion really is a level of Kundalini hitting a point where it causes spontaneous combustion. Um, I've known people who have had the cold to such an extreme that it can be 90 to 95 degrees out and they can't get warm because the cold's coming from inside. And uh, electrosensitivity, you blow stuff up, basically. Really? Yes, and I'm going to get to the level of things I've blown up in a little bit. Um, which relates to our conversation last week with with Wallace and how consciousness may be electrical in nature. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, I had a girlfriend who was the only person I ever knew who had worse uh, incidents of Kundalini than I did. And if she was using a laptop and handed it to me, it would just lock up and vice versa. <laughs> I mean, it just every single time. If we put it down, it was fine. So it wasn't a movement thing. It was a from one energy field to another. It was that strong that it would blow stuff up. And with hers, uh, if she got angry, electronics would just die, including our car. That sounds expensive. Yeah, that was not fun. And the the funny thing is foreign cars are more susceptible than American cars. So I've had Fords that never had electrical problems. Had a Volkswagen, the electronics just kept dying on it. Uh, We had left the station one night, and we were driving home, and it was morning, and we're driving home, and uh, we got into a fight, and as we get into the fight, the car just dies, and she just puts her head down, and she's like, I'm sorry, (laughs) because it was so cause and effect. There was no, it wasn't like, okay, this was just a random, the car died, and when it happened, you'd have it looked at eventually. They couldn't find anything wrong with it, and one day, it would just start up and be fine again without them having to really fix anything. So it was overloading the electronics somewhere and apparently not even getting out of the system for a while. Um, Let's see. Uh, Pain, as I already described, is uh, one of the worst symptoms. Um, It can also make you physically ill. It can make you seem like you have any kind of diseases and things like that. What's happening is the the energy from, from the Hindu version of it, it lies coiled at the base of the spine, just underneath the tailbone. And it moves up your spine through the chakras. Now, the thing is, when I was growing up, I'd never heard of a chakra before. I'd never heard of any of this stuff. But when I found information on it, I realized where the pain was was right where they were saying the chakras were. And to me, that kind of validated that, okay, maybe there's something to the whole chakra system because I didn't know about that. It wasn't in my head because this was, we're talking early 80s when this started. There was no internet. I couldn't just go on and look this stuff up. Right. Um, But the pain can manifest in a lot of different ways. Um, there's a lot of random symptoms, like your heart beating fast sometimes, uh, pressure in your skull, like your skull is cracking apart. And it feels like, uh, it almost feels like a concussion, especially along the back of your skull. It feels like it's just cracked and the pressure keeps building. Uh, hallucinations I've already gotten into, and you can have anything from sounds like a flute, drumming, rattling, bees buzzing, roaring, whooshing types of sounds. And these are also common in DMT experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, sudden bursts of creativity, which uh, definitely you'll suddenly be like, oh, my God, I understand all this stuff. And you'll just suddenly and, and then it's just gone. <laughs> um, psychic abilities. Um, I can't point to anything that I ever had prior to this where I would say, oh, that was a weird paranormal experience or a psychic experience. But once it really started, the number of experiences started accumulating. Eventually, I started going after them, but initially, they were not something I drew into my life. And uh, yes, feelings of enlightenment is the last one I have down here. And uh, it definitely can give you that. Uh, My experiences were more of some of the more unpleasant experiences. The concept being that each chakra has stuff in them. They correspond to aspects of your consciousness. And as the energy moves up through them, if there's stuff you're not dealing with, it burns through them. Hence the pain, 
the, the feeling of fire, heat and cold, and so on and so forth. When I've met people who also have kundalini experiences, I've also found that if I put my hand on the chakra that's hurting them, I can pick up what they're blocking. It just appears in my head. And it's usually stuff you don't want to deal with, which is why they're not dealing with it and why it's blocked off. Um, so it took me a long time of just trying to work through it, not knowing what it was coming from. As I said, I went to plenty of doctors. None of them had any clue. Once I knew what it was, then at least I could get a handle on it because then I learned how to do different meditations. I learned how to do breathing exercises and so on and so forth, and it was able to get some control over it. The electric effects, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the most massive electric effects I ever caused. Um, I've always had them. I've always, like I said, knocked things out here and there. We went, uh, or I went to. So at one point there were a bunch of radio stations that were all doing metal shows and such as the one I do after this. And I was friends with all the DJs. One of them was in Auburn. And this particular day, I was so electric. Imagine an electrical, like a static electric shock by a thousand. I would literally see electricity go between me and metal objects as I got too close to them. Very painful, very loud, like a shotgun going off. And so I just was like, okay, I'm not going to touch anything I don't have to touch. So I went to see my friend who was doing a show at the Auburn College, and I'm hanging out with him. And the first thing I say to him, because he was one of those people who always wanted to shake your hand, and that's fine. And I said to him, don't touch me. <laughs> and he kind of looked at me where I'm like, no, seriously, I'm, I, you'll get the shock of your life. Don't touch me. Just, you know, nothing personal. And he's like, okay. It was kind of a small air room. And at some point, he went to walk by me and just brushed against me. And you heard the loudest, like, shotgun blast go off, and it threw him across the room. Really? And he's laying there, leaning against the far wall, just with a look of shock on his face. And I was just kind of like, told you, don't touch me. <laughs> now you understand. And that's never happened before or since. It was just this one day. It was so intense. Mm-hmm. After this, I went to another radio station in Seneca Falls. And uh, in fact, the, the person who was there, Steve, does sometimes listen to this show. So I'm wondering if he's going to remember this because I never told him this whole part of it. So I'm sitting there talking to him, and he was doing a normal shift that night instead of his metal show. And as we're talking, I grabbed the metal rack that is has all the CD players and stuff on it just to kind of lean against it, not thinking about it. I didn't feel much, just kind of a little vibration, and all the power in the building went out. And I was kind of like, oops. And I'm thinking that couldn't possibly have been me. You know, despite the amount of electricity I'm giving off, I can't believe I knocked the, the entire block went out and didn't come back on. And one of the creepy things that happened... Uh, so we're sitting there and all the phones were, uh, office phones. So they were powered phones. So they were all dead and we hear a phone ringing and we're sitting there in the dark going, where's that phone? And we're going around the building, trying to find it. And it's just really faint. And finally he goes into an office and he goes under a desk and pulls out a phone and the phone rings and he picks it up and it's just static Hmm. and he hangs it back up. He's like, all right, I'm thoroughly creeped out. (laughs) And eventually we just left because the power wasn't coming back on. I asked him check see what they you know they say the power went out for and apparently they said they don't know why the power went out but a surge from somewhere on the block knocked the power out Mm. you know and it's one of those things where i have a hard time believing i generated enough electricity to knock an entire block out but it happened the instant i touched this metal rack and i felt something as i touched it and then there was nothing Mm. and without an explanation you know if, if they had come back and said oh yeah one of our things burned out okay then it wasn't me but they're basically saying it came from a surge along the block that i was on right never had it that powerful again i mean i've knocked street lights out um i've had a friend who anytime she has stayed over all the electronics go crazy 
uh, my TV will turn on and off. And it doesn't happen if she's there. It happens if both of us are there. There's something about, and she also has active Kundalini. So there's something about that connection that has caused weird electrical effects as well. And uh, including a very weird, uh, what's the word for it, hypnagogic experience I had. For some reason, anytime she stayed over, I'd have a lot of hypnagogic experiences. Now, a hypnagogic experience is something that, it's basically a, a dream state when you're waking up. So you wake up, but your brain is still somewhat asleep. So you may uh, see something or hear something that's not actually there. And usually I'm pretty good at picking these out. Uh, one day I woke up, for instance, and everything was shaded blue. And I was a little freaked out about it. And I got up, I'm like, why is everything shaded blue? And suddenly it was just normal again. And I'm like, ah, it was probably hypnagogic. It was probably a dream state, still not, not kick it out. Because I can't imagine what else would cause a blue tint on everything. So there have been little ones here and there. But anytime she had stayed over, I would get these really intense hypnagogic states. And in this case, I heard a noise I can't possibly describe, kind of like a scream, uh, just completely inhuman, following a loud th- or right following it a loud thud. And I jolted upright, and I was like, "What the hell was that?" And the dog went crazy. And I'm going, "No, that was hypnagogic. Why is the dog going crazy?" <laughs> And I went out and I asked them, well, did anyone else hear anything? They're like, no, I don't know why the dog's going crazy. <laughs> so that, that was a weird hypnagogic thing because usually hypnagogia is something I just dismiss. You know, right. it's your dream state kicking over into your waking state. And it can happen the other way too. It's what a lot of people blame uh, UFO abductions on. They say, well, it's hypnagogic. They're dreaming, but they're awake and it doesn't really fit, honestly, the, the abduction scenario aside from a few cases. I know of at least one person who has been in that exact state where he's had sleep paralysis, and he's seen greys come in after him. And it may be hypnagogic. Sleep paralysis is another thing that's a little bit weird and hard to pin down. Um, I've experienced that as well. I've literally had things drag me back into a dream state. And I don't know if they're external things or internal things. They generally feel external, but in a dream state, it's really hard to tell. True. Um, But like where I've literally had a fight to wake up and realize, you know, in a, in a very lucid state, I am asleep. I need to wake up. And as I'm kind of fighting up, I'll feel something just grab me and pull me back down. And it's it's a very weird sensation, to say the least. Um, it's generally one of those things you don't like to experience, but afterwards, you're kind of like, that was kind of interesting. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, the, the, elec- the electrical effects. The electrical effects can be pretty intense. Um, my girlfriend, who was uh, who had it much worse than I did, would literally uh, blow computers up. Like, she almost set uh, all the wiring above her computer at work on fire. Yeah, uh, she had it, really had no control over it whatsoever. If she got even the slightest bit emotional, things would just go really bad. And when you look at the electric universe theory, you look at what Wallace was saying with consciousness being electrical, there's something more, I think, I think consciousness expands outwards in that respect. Um, I was hoping to have Lewis Proud on at some point because he's done a lot of research into this uh, the ph- phenomena of people being more electric and what electricity does to the body. But uh, he's currently working on something else, I guess, at the moment. So maybe eventually we'll have him on. Uh, he's a researcher out of Australia, I believe. So the other things with Kundalini, uh, and one of the things that I found really fascinating about it is it can spread. So one of the things it can cause is laughter. And it's the most bizarre laughter you'll ever experience because it, nothing's funny, but you can't stop laughing. It's not like contagious laughter where someone else is laughing and now you're laughing because right. you're in a good mood. And it's, it's a very odd sort of laughter. It's not unpleasant necessarily, but it's not connected to anything. It just hits you and suddenly you're, you're laughing and you can't stop. And what I discovered is if I grab a hold of somebody, they start laughing too. Really? 
And the same thing, that nothing's funny. They're not laughing because I'm laughing. And as soon as I let go of them, they can stop. Hmm. So the energy can actually move from one person to another. And it usually scares the hell out of people when you do that. <laughs> if you go online, there are what are called laughing churches. And these are Christian churches who believe that, who are basically using Kundalini, but they're calling it the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. They'll have someone who can channel it in. They start laughing. They grab a member of the congregation, and they start spreading it across the church. That's interesting. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of skeptics go, well, it's they're just thinking that they're feeling something. But having had these kundalini experiences, I can tell you it's the same thing as kundalini. And as long as you're not scared of it, it's not unpleasant. The unpleasant part is not knowing what's going on. So <laughs> that's the type of thing that, uh, and, and like I said, I've met so many people who have experienced it as well. It seems there are certain people that the energy is more in tune with. Uh, there was someone I knew who all I had to do is put my fingers on the back of her neck and her whole spine would superheat. Not unpleasantly, but it was that simple of a movement that could do it. Um, and it's very reactive to consciousness. So if you're talking about or feeling certain things, it can kick in. Um, the time we sat here, you came up to the studio and we were sitting in the other room talking about some of the interviews and stuff you had done. It started kicking in on me. Really? Yeah. It start, I was sitting there and all of a sudden my spine started to hurt and, the, and it just started pulsing. And I'm like, okay, now I need to get up and walk around a little <laughs> bit. And then I could get it to go down because now, again, I know how to diffuse it right. when it starts doing that. And I think it was just the subject matter we were talking about caused it to kick in for some reason. We talked about a lot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, but when you look at it, there's a lot of connections to the DMT stuff as well. But it's not necessarily the same thing. Right. Um, it, do you have any questions, by the way? <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, why don't we go back for a second? And these people that you've met, are they also having spontaneous Kundalini awakenings? Yes. Yeah. None okay. of them have, have no even knew what Kundalini was. Right. Because traditionally, uh, you have the awakening through yoga or meditation mm-hmm. or something called Shaktipat, which is the spiritual transmission from a guru or teacher. Right. Right. Um, and also, reportedly, there's been awakenings through physical or psychological trauma. But then there's this other group right. where it's just it just happens. It's spontaneous. Exactly. I I did not have a traumatic childhood, so that that doesn't qualify. I do know someone who had it, who had a very traumatic childhood, um, and had lots of paranormal experiences as well as spontaneous kundalini. In fact, Dr. Ring, when he did his work on near-death experiences and UFO abductees, found that that was a common factor, that people who had these experiences also tended to have abuse in their childhood. Right. So something like 70%. And so if you're not doing the training, then, as we said, there are risks involved. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. And I, like I said, initially, I thought I was losing my mind because I, here I am hallucinating these weird hallucinations and I knew I'm not seeing this. This is not real. There's no smoke coming out of my trombone, you know, right. but there it is. I'm watching it happen and it's, it's a weird experience. And I'm thinking, am I going crazy? Do you remember the moment when it happened? <laughs> no, no, it's all pretty vague. And I don't think anything happened prior to that. And I didn't even connect it to that till later when I started reading about like the audio hallucinations and it's like, wait, no, that's exactly what I was experiencing. Right. And I still get them every once in a while, buzzing sounds like bees in the room or something like that, but it's not as frequent anymore. Hmm. Very interesting stuff. It is. And, and the, the fact that you can transfer it to another person who knows nothing about it, right. to me, is really interesting because it means it's not just in your head. Because if it was just in your head, that wouldn't work. Right. You know, the laughing church, as I said, I mean, knowing, having experienced this and knowing that if it kicks in and I start feeling it and I grab someone, they're going to start laughing too, that shouldn't happen if it's in your head. Right. Well, I mean, theoretically, it's based in the spine and energy shoots through your nervous system, which right. why the risk can be so great, but it would shoot through your whole body, theoretically. Yeah, sure, absolutely. 
And like I said, without knowing what chakras were, it gave me a lot of faith in the chakra system that this is where I was feeling that pain. And it's like, huh, okay, well, I didn't know about it. So it's not like my brain was putting it into that paradigm because I didn't have a paradigm for it. To me, it was just this awful thing that was happening that was ruining my life. Um, And it never happened in, like, I was always afraid I'd be in school and it would just hit me full force. And it never did. It always did it in times where I could deal with it, you know, like when I was home by myself. And if it did hit any other time, it was mild. So that's why I say I think it responds to consciousness to a degree. Mm. And you would think the fear of it kicking it off might kick it off, but I don't know. Um, oh, yeah, I did have the chat window open, too, in case anyone wanted to hear it. Ta- ask any questions about it. And I encourage anyone who's having these experiences, I'm t- more than willing to talk about them to people. I do not know how to wake Kundalini up. <laughs> I had someone ask me that last time, and I, I, my life goal was to control it, not wake it up. Uh, I would say go with Kundalini Yoga in that case, in which case you're dealing with a very controlled system to wake it up mildly and slowly so you can deal with it. As opposed to me, who was pretty much set on fire. <laughs> um, and the, the electrical effects, I'm assuming, are connected to Kundalini. Mm. I can't say that for sure, but I know people who have had Kundalini also ha- tend to have the electrical effects. I've met a few people who can affect electronics who don't seem to have any sign of it. So there might be, it might be one thing triggering another. Um, but since we don't know what causes the electrical effect, I mean, we're electrical creatures, period. I mean, any scientist will tell you there's electrical energy in the body. There just shouldn't be enough to knock a block of electricity out. True. <laughs> well, have um, you ever tried to seek out uh, someone from a particular faith who might have had similar experiences to give you an insight? Like like what? Uh, like a guru or no. a spiritual teacher? No, I mostly went to books and then experimented on my own. Hmm. I've always been better with things that way. You know, I've uh, probably not a bad idea. <laughs> But it's interesting because, again, this formed how I view consciousness at that point. Mm. Because it's hard to, to look at things as being very material when this type of stuff is happening to you. Right. Um, and, of course, like I said, I went to doctor after doctor and had all kinds of tests done, and there was nothing wrong with me. I was a picture of health. And it's like, great, but I'm in pain. <laughs> right. Very, very intense pain. Um, and that, that set off all the paranormal stuff too. And then I started delving into it and started investigating magic and, and things like that, which just intensified all my experiences. But the Kundalini has always been there. It's always been underlying, um, the experience. Hmm. And most people have never heard of this. If they have, they've heard, you know, vague mentions of Kundalini yoga, but they right. don't know that it can wake up in such a negative way. Another, uh, another person I knew um, I was working with this girl, and I'm realizing she's complaining about things, and I'm going, that sounds like Kundalini, but it was very mild. And so I sent her an article about it, and it freaked her out to no end. Instead of helping her, it scared her. And a short time later, she broke up with her boyfriend, and everything went away. And I was like, well, that's weird. And so I started talking to her boyfriend more, and I went, it's him. It wasn't her. So while she was with him, he was, it was, she was picking it up, and it was affecting her. And he was dealing with it okay. So it didn't really obviously show in him, but the more I talked to him, the more I was like, it's you. And so when she broke up with him, was no longer close with him, it just went away in her. And I don't know if it was waking it up or her or she was getting residual energy from it. Hmm. And I've seen that with people I know who I was close to where they'll start picking it up and they'll start having experiences. And then if I stay away from them for a while, it just stops. So it's hard to say if it's waking up in them and it goes back to sleep or if it's just residual energy from me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
And uh, it's hard to find people who really are knowledgeable about this stuff. You know, I'm knowledgeable from my own experiences. You And like I said, John White's book was excellent in that it had such a variety of experiences. It had, uh, I can't remember the names now, it's been a while, uh, but people who almost died from it. They got so sick and were so ill for so long, and then it finally broke and they they were able to deal with it and function properly again. I don't think it's a negative thing. I think it's something that helps you in the long term. It's just you need to know what it is to work with it. Right, because traditionally you have to prepare for this experience as opposed to just have it. Yeah. Shock value. <laughs> and if you don't know that it's something that's helping you, it just feels like the most horrible thing in the world. Right. Um, you know, it's burning through a chakra because there's something there you need to deal with. You mm. know, it's it's not punishing you. It's trying to, to open you up to something. Um, and I don't know what connection the paranormal experiences I've had had to the Kundalini, if they were just separate. I mean, I, I, I expect the Kundalini has affected everything throughout my life. Um, but there's, there's clear cut hallucinations and then there's other stuff. Um, well then you're right. Theoretically, people may not know because if they've had this spontaneous event and you get this shock to your nervous system, I mean, it could bring an onset of perceived psychosis because you're having these hallucinations. Yep. Exactly. Um, luckily it didn't go that way for me because <laughs> I really, I went through, like I said, about a decade of not knowing what was happening to me. I, I mean, I learned to deal with it to some degree, but if the pain started to hit me, it would just, I, I need to lay down. I need to kind of arc my back in these weird positions until it finally stops. Um, the, sh- you know, the, uh, I woke up a few years ago, must've been 95 out and I have air conditioning. I like it very cold when I sleep. And I woke up shaking and shivering, and I felt like I had almost died. And I was—I went outside, and I'm standing in direct sunlight, 95-degree weather, and I'm shaking, and I'm ice cold. Hmm. And internally, ice cold. And I'm just like, all right, what is this all about? Why is this happening now? And eventually, it just, boom, stopped, and it was gone. Hmm. That was extremely unpleasant. I can imagine. Because <laughs> you just... And like I said, I, uh, other people experience it from the cold realm all the time, and they just can't get warm. Right. You know, they can be. It can be a hot, humid day, and when it hits them, they just they're, they're shivering, they're shaking, they're freezing. Um, the epilepsy connection. I mean, I would never suggest that somebody has epilepsy has Kundalini, but if you have epilepsy and it's not quite matching up, maybe this is something you want to look into and see if it's something. You know, if you're taking medicine for epilepsy and it's not doing anything, it could be that it's not epilepsy. Right. You know, depending on the degree of it, because there's so many different types of epilepsy as well. Well, it's interesting to think that there might be a connection to the spiritual over the biology of the person that's causing these yeah. effects. Yeah. It uh, can cause, because literally can cause convulsions and twitching and and all kinds of stuff. Uh, again, my my ex girlfriend who had had a uh, really bad Kundalini would literally start convulsing sometimes. It would get so bad she'd just be laying there and, and her whole body would start convulsing. Um, she was by far the worst I'd ever seen of it. Mm. But I could pick stuff up if I just put my hand on her where it was hurting her. Boom! I could pick up information. Unfortunately, I couldn't give her that information <laughs> because it was stuff she had to come to on her own. But it was like, oh, well, I can totally see why you're not dealing with this. Um, I totally forgot what I was just going to say. There was another aspect of it. Um, it's also very, it, it's also considered sexual energy. So it can cause very, very odd effects in, in sexual relations as well. And, uh, I think it was Crowley who actually talked about it being like the sexual force in man and the force of magic in man and, and such things like that. 
Uh, it's revered very highly in ancient uh, occult circles. Again, not well known, though. Right, because they're mostly mentioned in uh, esoteric texts. Right, right. Sometimes hard to get references for. And it's, it's often visited as a, as a snake, right. as a serpent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty accurate in a lot of ways. You had something you wanted to ask? No, I mean, oh, okay. how many? so how many people have you met that you think have had these spontaneous awakenings? Quite a few. Quite a few. And are, are they, does it depend on whether what kind of knowledge they have, whether they're aware of this or not? Oh, yeah. I've never met anyone who was aware of it. Mm. Um, again, this is why I wanted to do this show, so people can have an awareness. If they're experiencing these things, they can look into it and maybe get a handle on it. And if they want to contact me, I'm always willing to help people, uh, at least point them in the right direction information-wise. Um, the thing is, I, a lot of people, it seems, may have little bits of it. Mm. Uh, there was one person I'm friends with on Facebook, and I'm seeing her write about stuff, and I'm going, it really sounds like you have just mild forms of Kundalini, and I know she would have no concept, no no way of understanding that if I told her. Plus, I don't really know her very well, so I was like, <laughs> alright, I'm pretty sure that's what's bothering you, but I have no way to express this. Well, why do you think there are different degrees of I don't know. awakening? Because I don't know why it wakes up in the first place. That's fair. <laughs> I have yeah. no idea why it woke up in me. I mean, I had no, like I said, there was no event that happened no traumatic event or injury or emotional event that suddenly triggered this it's just it very slowly woke up and then it was like a firestorm right and then bad things yeah and then really bad things for a while because i've noticed here so apparently the last known classical awakening was someone who had meditated three hours every morning for 17 years wow so that's the kind of preparation yeah. that people go through uh, unfortunately for others, it is more of uh, a surprise. Spoo. <laughs> <Yes. Ooh. laughs> um, the uh, and I and I think honestly, learning different occult practices helped as well because that that's also about being able to, con you know, you figure magic in its purest form is getting to know yourself. So did you notice that you had more of an aptitude for oh, those yeah. kind of practices? Yeah, hmm. that's what kind of drew me. I mean, I, like I said, I was raised in a very, uh, you know, my parents were very. Uh, they were, they were Christian by name only, I guess you could say. They were not religious people. My, my father's- The Christmas Easter Catholics. Yeah, they were, they were. I don't even know what they were, Protestant maybe? Um, you know, if, if, if pushed, they're like, oh yeah, we're Christian, because that's what you're supposed to say. Mm. You know, I, they never took me to church, so I had no real religious background. Mm. Um, I was going somewhere with this. What were we talking about right before? Magical aptitude. Magical aptitude, yes. Um, when I was a kid, um, and I don't know how old I was, I was really, really young. One of the first things I remember, uh, our dog died, uh, died in his sleep, and I had no brush with death at this point. So I had no idea what had happened to the dog, and my mother had explained death as if, you know, close your eyes and ears, and that's how you are forever. Well, to a little kid, that was the scariest thing I could possibly <laughs> imagine. <laughs> um and shows you how they didn't really have that Christian view of, oh, well, you go to heaven, or, you know, or anything like that. Um, so that frightened the hell out of me. Sure. And it stuck with me through most of the time I was a kid. So I, when, when I started looking at ideas of Wicca and things like that, those were like, no, 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 those, those are bad. I can't, I don't want to touch on that because it's just going to make things worse. And it wasn't until I met people who were involved in it and started opening up a little bit to it when I was, you know, a teenager. It was like, oh, okay, maybe this isn't what I thought it was. But I, I had, you know, that that's such a horrid fear of death through most of my childhood that that was kind of my paradigm of how I saw things. Okay. There was almost a fear of God at times, mm. you know, because I believed in God and had only that Christian, you know, that vague Christian upbringing um, and at a certain point, it all just went away. I was able to toss it out the window and kind of go gung-ho into other things. 
So I investigated Wicca, I investigated uh, LaVey, Anton LaVey's Satanism, and finally into Crowley stuff, which, if anyone missed our shows on Crowley, Satanism and Crowley, Crowley's work are completely different things. Right, two different things. For that matter, Anton LaVey's Satanism is more of a sociological belief system rather than a religious system, mm. um, which I like for the most part. He's uh, about self-responsibility and, you know, you take, respons- take responsibility for your actions is one of the big you know, things of it. You can do whatever you want, but you're responsible for the consequences. Right. Uh, it's almost a libertarian way of looking at things. Um, I didn't like the, the, the blowing up of the ego. You know, with Satanism, you're the most important thing because it's you. You know, you mm. celebrate your birthday, you know. It's, it's kind of a selfish sort of system, uh, which never really clicked with me, but I liked the other aspects of it. And it has nothing to do with an actual real Satan. Mm. It has to do with the concept of Satan as the opposer of the mainstream view of things. Ah. Because technically Satan means the opposer. Right. And uh, he just named it that. LaVey started Satanism because he was a cop in San Francisco, I believe it was. And he would see these very religious people commit these horrible crimes, absolutely horrendous crimes during the week. And then Sunday they'd go to church and get forgiven. (laughs) And he just, the hypocrisy of it just drove him insane. And so he started the Church of Satan, which was more of a pure look. If you're going to do it, do it, but take responsibility for it. You don't get absolved from it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, the Satanic Bible is worth a read. Um, the sociological principles in it are very interesting <laughs> and would probably work for most people if you took the stigma of Satan out of it. Right. They'd be like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. And then you say, yeah, it's Church of Satan. And then they're like, oh, no, this is bad because <laughs> <laughs> our culture has been so ingrained that way. Right. But that's part of what he wanted, mm-hmm. you know, kind of shake things up. And he did. So what was the increase in aptitude? Like, Did you have a comparison to other people who were practicing the same thing? Things just worked for me. Okay. You know, basically is what it was. I, I would do something and get a response. And it was like, okay, I wasn't expecting a response. I didn't think any of this stuff was going to work. Um, like one of the creepiest, <laughs> I think I told this this on the Grailian too when I was on it. Um, one of the creepiest things that ever happened, uh, I went outside to do a ritual. And most times when I did rituals, they were for trying to understand where I was supposed to be going with something, um, you know, some sort of enlightenment to it. Uh, and I'm out. I have a very big yard. And one of the barns on the yard kind of looks like the top of the Amityville house. You know, two eyes, kind of a curved roof, so it looks like an evil face. And the place has always creeped me out. And I'm not creeped out very easily, but that barn has always creeped me out. And so I'm standing a distance away from it, and I go through this whole ritual. And at the end of the ritual, I tap the staff I have three times on the ground. And from that barn, in the exact pattern, I just tap the staff on the ground. I hear, knock, knock, knock. Hmm. And I just went ice cold. And I'm like, oh, come (laughs) on. Why that barn? (laughs) And the thing is, I didn't make any noise when I tapped the staff. Complete pitch darkness. Tapped it three times in the grass. And then a loud knock from the barn. And I just went, oh, come on. (laughs) <laughs> and then realize you want me to walk by that barn now, don't you? <laughs> so, you? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. One of the things I've always felt that some of the negative experiences try to teach you is how to overcome fear. So here I am just chilled, literally chilled with fear. And I'm going, I know nothing's there. You know, I know whatever created that knock did it just to scare me. Now I'm going to walk slowly right by that barn. And it takes a lot of self-control. You almost have to separate from yourself because your body's going, I'm not doing that. And you're like, okay. And then you just do it anyway. You have that fight or flight response. Right, right. And it's it's almost a matter of defeating that fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. And uh, most of the time I have an analyze response, which I'm guessing is not always a good good thing. Mm. If something's rushing at you and you go, I wonder what that is. (laughs) And then it hits you. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Maybe I should have ducked on that one. So it affects your reflexes. (laughs) 
Um, there's a there's a graveyard over here, a university graveyard. And if you've ever spent any time in it, it's a very old graveyard. I've had so many strange experiences in this graveyard. And there's one point in the graveyard that you, on certain days, you will feel such oppression. It's almost unreal. Like you just have the feeling that whatever is there wants you out. And I have used that. And I've used that showing other people how to overcome fear because that's exactly where you walk through. Ah. And if you can do it, it, I mean, it feels empowering if you can do it. Some people simply can't do it. You know, they, they get up to mm-hmm. it and they're like, nope. <laughs> it's, it's a palpable feeling of oppression. Right. And, uh, but if you can sit there and walk through that area, it tends to dissipate if you do it. It's kind of interesting. And in, in where someone might say, well, there's something there that really doesn't want you there. I would say it's, it's a gift. Hmm. It's giving you this sense because it's giving you an opportunity to overcome it that you don't normally have. Right. Granted, walking through it, you expect something to drop on you at any time. <laughs> Like, okay, what's going to fall out of the tree on my back? <laughs> um, so this is, one, you know, and having these Kundalini experiences is one of the reasons I don't necessarily look at negative experiences as being bad experiences. I've never walked, you know, when someone says, oh, I have these horrible, horrible abduction experiences that involve aliens, I think, well, maybe they're not as horrible as you think. Maybe mm-hmm. if you didn't, if you overcame the fear of them, they would transcend to something else. And you do find that happening. Um, Whitley Strieber, when he first had his experiences, they were horrible experiences. You know, I mean, he essentially was raped. And over time, he came to, you know, the reason he, he named his book Communion is because he started to have this communion with them, this connection with them, where he could, you know, he was no longer afraid of them and he seemed to be gaining something from contact with them. But I think fear is the, fear is the key. Here's the thing mm-hmm. that kills everything. If you're afraid, it's going to be a negative experience. Right, almost predetermined. Yes, you are already afraid. And the same if you have an Iowa, if you go into ayahuasca or DMT experience with fear, it's going to be a negative experience. Right, uh, especially ayahuasca, which can be so affected by the the, the area you're in, you know, the the mindset you're in, uh, like any acid trip, really. Right. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure there are plenty of people listening who have had bad trips and I guarantee you there was some element of fear that started it off. Yeah, and, and it's hard to get rid of. Yes. Yes. If you're afraid, you're afraid. <laughs> it's not, you know, that's why I say some of these experiences allowed me to kind of disconnect. Learn how to disconnect and just do it. Um even for something like uh we had gone to Darien Lake one year and they have the skydive thing where they pick you way up in the air. And you're looking down and you know it's safe, but your body's going, You're not pushing that button. <laughs> and you just kind of disconnect and push the button. Right. You know, it's very easy once you know how to do it. And I think that probably factors into a lot of people's paranormal encounters. Yes. I mean, if you have the fear, you're going to have a negative uh, encounter or experience. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I had one of the really weird ones that, that plagued me for a while. Anytime I went outside, it would be dead silent. And if I tried to walk around, it would sound like something was following me. There were no insects. There were no bird sounds. It was only at night. Nothing. Um, if I was with other people, normal sounds. If I was by myself, dead silence, like creepy silence. And this went on for months. Um, like someone would drop me off, come into my house. I'd go outside with them, you know, perfect noise. They would leave and all the sounds would just stop. Mm. And I could walk around my yard and it would sound like something. And it would freak me out to the point where I didn't want to go outside at night. Like I did, but I didn't. And finally, one day I said, that's it. I'm just going to go out and I'm going to sit there until it stops. And I went outside and I sat there and everything was dead quiet and I just waited. And after about half an hour, the sounds just came rushing back in and everything was normal. And I'm like, okay, was that just another overcome your fear and just deal with this? I mean, nothing ever, I never saw anything. Nothing ever attacked me. And the only thing I could make of it was this was a matter of overcoming fear because it gave you that that sort of chilled sensation like something was 
you know, you had that fight or flight sort of response because it felt right. like something was right there, right about to pounce on you, and there was just nothing there. So if there are people listening who might feel some like, connection to this kind of experience, what advice would you give them? Depends what they're experiencing. <laughs> but I would say don't be afraid of it. I mean, because it is fear that triggers the worst experiences. Um, but it, it, you know, depending on what they're, if they're blowing up computers and that's their only symptom, there's meditation techniques to kind of balance out your energy. Um, meditation generally works with a lot of stuff, you know, I mean, Mm. meditation is never a bad thing. True. Many (laughs) positive side effects. Um, so, but if people, like I said, if people want to contact me, go to the website, emails on there, you can uh, contact me, ask questions. Uh, I'll do my best to help people out or at least point them in the right direction. Uh, yeah, that's the first time I've ever talked about a lot of that stuff. So that was not an easy uh, bit for me to do here on this mm. show, but I think it's important. And I want to see how it relates, too, to the work Stressman's done with DMT. Because mm. in reading through you know, some of those DMT experiences, I think to myself, I've had some of these experiences, but I never connected mm. it to DMT. Um, well, in his second book, he connects it, to, uh, connects it to the prophecies of the Old Testament? Yes, yeah. And so theoretically, I mean, if you're having a mystical experience, he could call that a DMT trip. True. And if we're talking True. about, um, say, before this kind of snake and this energy going up your spine to the base of your skull, mm-hmm. uh, that could be that explosion of energy in your nervous system could release that. That's true. That's true. I've also had one of the, the strangest experiences I ever had. I had walked outside the back of my house. Now, in the back area of my house, it is pitch black. So you can look up, see the Milky Way clear as day. I mean, there's no light. Mm. And it's awesome. And I would walk out there all the time. And I walked out one day, and occasionally weird things would happen. <laughs> and I walked out one day, and I noticed, the first thing I noticed is there was a light in the field behind the house. Now, there's no lights. To this day, there's no lights in that field. And it was kind of dim, but very distinct, and it would dim, it would kind of go on and off. Like, I think it was about a seven-second cycle. And initially, I didn't think much of it. Felt great. Felt perfectly normal. Full moon out. I look up, and I watch the moon kind of go behind the clouds just a little bit. And then the moon pops through the clouds and starts shaking. And I went, ah, that's one hell of an optical illusion. <laughs> and I kind of looked down and kind of shook, you know, tried to shake it off and looked back up. Okay, it's behind the clouds again. And then it popped through the clouds and starts shaking again. And I'm going, all right, what optical illusion can cause that to happen? And then I got, into, and this has happened to me before, and I know other people it's happened to, a flash of light lights up the entire landscape. Almost like someone took a picture. It's like, whew, everything's lit up, and then it just kind of decays. And I went, okay, we're doing this. Great. And every time I look at the moon, it does that same thing. And then I start paying attention to that light. And I'm like, what is that light? And I'm noticing that if I look at the light, it'll it'll continue its cycle until it goes off, and then it won't come back on until I look away. Hmm. And I'm like, all right, now it's getting weird. And not, not that the other <laughs> yeah. stuff wasn't weird, but at the time, I had no way to, to comprehend all these experiences. I'm right. thinking, okay, I'm, I, I've never done drugs. I don't drink. I don't, you know, so I wasn't in an impaired state of mind in any way. In fact, I was in a very clear state of mind. But that doesn't mean I wasn't experiencing some level of DMT. Mm. Um, it also, that light could have been some kind of electrical activity from the earth. Mm. You know, some kind of plasma formation or something like that. That was in turn affecting me and affecting the way I was, you know, seeing reality around me. The same with the flashes of light I was experiencing. And it took me so, like, I, I, I just pretty much wrote down that experience and went, I have no idea what to make of this. It wasn't a negative experience, but damn, was it weird. <laughs> um, and it wasn't until years later when I discovered Paul Devereaux's work, where he had the earth light theories of UFOs and shows how UFOs uh, tend to manifest around fault lines. Mm. 
And it's like, okay, so maybe it was an energy thing. And then when I got to Strassman's work, it was like maybe it was a DMT experience, very mild one triggered maybe by earth energy, mm. which is one of the things I wonder about UFOs. If that right. earth energy might be triggering DMT in us, when we have that DMT triggered, then we're having the abduction experience because now we're open to it. Right. Uh, that last recorded case, I mean, when someone has a spiritual awakening, or at least reaches that stage with uh, some background, they can look at themselves inwardly and go into a state of bliss. Right. Which, I mean, that, I mean, if you have control over that, that's yeah. pretty great. And, and in a sense, that's, that's the goal of like what, what Alistair Crowley was trying to do. Right. You know, that, that, that style of magic is meant to know yourself, to, to get, as he put it, conversation with the holy and guardian angel, holy guardian angel, <laughs> which was your higher self. Right. And uh, that's kind of what I was following. So I had all these things sort of running at the same time and then would just have these bizarre experiences mixed in where I was like, what am I supposed to learn from that? You know, I never took it as something's attacking me. I never took it as um, random. It's like, okay, what was this meant to teach me? Right. And that one with the light in the field took me a long time. At least you're looking at it constructively. True. And it was, it was just like, this is ridiculous. This is the weird, you know, of all the weird things that have happened, this is by far the weirdest because that light was interacting with me on a conscious level. Right. And I'm thinking, why didn't I walk back into that field to see what the... No, I know why I didn't walk back into that field. <laughs> There's a level even I'm not going to be able to get over at that point. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. I had no idea how far back it was. It wasn't a bright light, but it was distinctly in that field and it was impossible to ignore. Uh, the flashes of light other people have experienced. I know people who have had no other paranormal experience, but they've seen those flashes of light like someone's taking a picture of them. Uh, John Keel even mentions it in one of his books that it he would have that experience every time he moved. Mm. And he's like, it never happened any other time, but he would be moving. He would be like about to leave his place and he'd get that weird flash of light. So it's a very odd sort of component. Yeah. And it's distinct. Like I said, I mean, everything lights up. You can visibly see everything around you and then it just fades back down like, like a camera flash with that bright poof. And then, so, all right. Well, we're almost out of time somehow. <laughs> Anything else that you were curious about? Uh, well, it seems like a very complex situation. Yeah. It's, uh, it's hard to navigate through something that is spontaneous if you have no background. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's why I wanted to do this. I wanted to give people that, that, you know, if you're experiencing these things, this might be what you're, what you're experiencing. Even if it's not horrible, even if you're getting a few of these little things, um, it might be that you have some Kundalini waking up. Which, again, is a good thing. Yes. In the end, it's a good thing. It's <laughs> it's the not knowing what it is or how to deal with it that was the bad thing. Mm -hmm. um, really, really, like I said, it pretty much ruined my life. Mm. Um, not that I'm unhappy where my life has ended up, but at the time, I wasn't particularly <laughs> happy with it. So, well, I thank you for sitting in with me on this one. No problem. Because um, that was that was hard for me to do. I'm always willing to absorb. <laughs> <laughs> and next week, uh, next week is a pre-record that we did with, uh, as I said, Alta and uh, Chad Dillard, who also have a lot of weird experiences. Yeah, yeah. They didn't say anything that in implied that there was Kundalini going on. They were very uh, blasé about it. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think they got to the point where they realized, oh, who knows what this is? You know? Right. And just kind of give up and say it happens. So. And and you know, I've I've touched on a couple of experiences here, but I've had a lifetime of these weird type of things happening that don't necessarily like theirs aren't related to one another necessarily. Right. Um like one of the one I'm I am working on a book about all this. I have no idea when it's going to be done because I took a lot of notes about a lot of stuff. Hmm. And it's taken me a long time to get through it. Um when I pulled into my driveway this is something I totally forgot about. I pulled into my driveway one day 
and it's a long driveway. And uh, as I'm driving down the driveway, I see a ball of light just kind of ignite on one side, almost like a bunch of sparklers put together. And it rolls across the driveway, and it gets to the other side, and it just goes out. Hmm. And I said, okay, <laughs> great. And then I parked, and I went over there, and there's nothing there, and I went in the house, you know? Because these things happen, and it's, you know, I don't know that there was really anything to learn from it other than these things happen. Right. Not connected. Nothing like that ever happened again. Um, I had a, and this was a weird one. I had a, a uh, Baphomet necklace. Now, Baphomet is the symbol you find on the Church of Satan's, or the, the it's the Church of Satan symbol. Um, it's the upside down pentagram with the goat in it. Right. And uh, this was when I was very much into the Anton LaVey's work. And I liked the symbolism of Baphomet. It was also the sign of the Knights Templar. Mm. One of the reasons it was vilified is because the church went against, you know, took down the Knights Templar. And it's a symbol of earthly power and dominion and things like that. But it's basically a power symbol. Mm. And I had this necklace for a long time. And one day I got home from work and I got out of the car and it fell off. And I went, oh, Damn, the chain broke. And I picked it up, and the chain wasn't broken. So the necklace, without breaking the chain, fell off, hmm. which is entirely impossible. Yeah. It didn't, you know, like it didn't come over my head. It actually didn't fit over my head. I had to latch it. So it fell, it just fell straight down in my shirt and landed on my foot. And I was, I assumed the chain broke and picked it up, and the chain's still whole. And I went, <laughs> so I'm not supposed to wear this anymore, apparently. <laughs> so that's done. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I guess I'll just hang that from the mirror of the car, and we're done. All right. <laughs> So when things like that happen, I mean, what do you make of it? What does it What does it mean about reality when something like that happens? As long as you're willing to cope with it, I'm sure it's- true, true. And I'm sure there's people out there going, "Because it was an evil symbol, that's why." <laughs> right. But I didn't. It wasn't an evil symbol to me. Right. If anything, it was a protective symbol to me. And uh, I actually hung it from the car mirror, and uh, a friend of mine had pointed out I took it down from the car mirror because I always said, "Oh, it protects the car now." And I took it down off the car mirror for some reason, and like within the week, the car got totaled. And I didn't even think about it, and she's going, you took that off the mirror. And I'm going, what? I did take that (laughs) off the mirror. (laughs) So, all right. Well, thank you again, Luke. No problem. And uh, our next live interview will be in two weeks with, uh, uh, I cannot remember his name, and I feel really bad about it, Michael uh, Hughes. And my computer is frozen. Thank you, computer. All right. Go to wheretotheroadgo.com, and you can find out about that. And as I said, I also have the interview. Oh, now you're going to work. Okay. Yeah, so we got Alta and Chad next week. There's actually three parts to that interview that we did because they had mm-hmm. so much stuff, and I'm sure they had even more. But, uh, yeah, Michael M. Hughes. Uh, and he actually lives in Baltimore. So he didn't get back to me for a while. And I was like, oh, he seemed really into coming on the show. And then he gets back to me. He's like, okay, riots had to be a little... Uh, <laughs> a little right. busy and uh sorry for the delay i was like oh yeah that makes sense so uh but i had heard him on coast to coast and he was absolutely fantastic and i think you're gonna really be interested in the stuff he's gonna talk about i'm sure so all right where the road go.com of course is the website and uh this is some psyche corporation and i know apparently i don't say that very clear and uh i've had a number of people ask me what i'm saying psyche as in psychic p-s-c-h wait p-s uh, that's what happens when I try to think about it too hard. It is not on my screen. P-S-Y-C-H-E. Thank you. I thought too hard about it, and then I couldn't get it. Yes. This is why I'm here. Corporate. Thank you so much. <laughs> Corporation. And uh, PsycheCorporation.com is her website if you want to check out more stuff. We'll see you next week. Come in. Do you need me? Do you understand the numbers pouring over your connection? 
been listening to where did the road go this show is made possible in part from our patreons and we thank you and everyone listening for helping us continue this exploration of the strange you can always find everything where did the road go related at www.wheredidtheroadgo.com and thank you so much for your support